0: This session, I want to expand upon a powerful principle we introduced in our last session. It was and is found in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 5. Peter writes, You also, as living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. We continue this incredible spiritual truth in verse 9. After taking a momentary literary detour to discuss the centrality of our faith, Jesus, the living stone, Peter returns to the exhortation he began in verses 4 and 5. In fact, it's almost a seamless transition. Look at verses 4 and 5 again. But as I read the passage, we want to move from the end of verse 5 to the beginning of verse 9. We're just going to jump from 5 to 9. I am going to replace the word but with the word Four, and watch how the word flows in, in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 4, and coming to him as to a living stone, which has been rejected by men, but is choice and precious in the sight of God. You also, as living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. In the midst of their pain and their suffering, Peter reminds these precious saints again of who they are and what they are to do as a result of whose they are. Now, God throughout history has always had expectations for those who have entered a covenant relationship with him. As evidence of this biblical truth, I want to take you back to the Old Testament book of Exodus. Exodus chapter 19. And as you are finding that passage of scripture to follow with us this session, let me help you with the background behind this great covenant passage. Through a series of miraculous events, God had sought to get Pharaoh's attention so that he would release the Hebrews out of slavery. Bathwater turned to blood. Frogs jumped into their beds, locusts into their stew, pestilence killed their livestock, hail crushed their crops, and finally, God sent a death angel to pass through the land. The, the Hebrews were told that they were to take a spotless lamb, they were to sprinkle the blood from that lamb on the doorpost. And that night when the death angel passed through the land, every home where blood was found on the mantle, the firstborn in that household would be spared. But if there was no blood found on the mantle, the firstborn in that family would die. That plague was enough for Pharaoh to say, rise up and get out. But what I want you to notice in the passage before us from Exodus 19 is God not only redeemed them from something, God redeemed them for something. In Exodus chapter 19, and I begin reading in verse 4, Exodus 19 verse 4, and God's telling them, I did not just call you out of Egypt. I called you to myself. Listen uh, to the passage. You yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now then, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be my own possession among all the peoples for all the earth is mine. And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the sons of Israel. Notice God said, I did not just call you out of Egypt. I called you to myself. Now I want you to hone in, zero in for just a moment on verse five. Look at the personal pronouns that we find in that passage. Uh, we'll pick it up in verse four. You yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagle wings and how I brought you to my self. Now then, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be my own possession among all the peoples for all the earth is mine. These are the words that you shall speak to the sons of Israel. It was God who initiated. And God not only brought them out of Egypt, he brought them to himself. And here was the issue that the Hebrews constantly faced in the Old Testament. They had come to believe that they were God's covenant people because of who they were, that there was something special about them, something unique about them that brought upon them God's favor. And yet the text before us creates or communicates a very, very different truth. It was not, never had been, and never would be about them it was about God. He had called them to himself so that they might make his name great among the nations. Israel came to be the people of God by God's choice, by God's covenant, and for the purpose of God's redeeming work. In fact, Look at verse five again. We find an incredibly interesting phrase. My own possession among all the peoples. The Hebrew word used there for possession is the word seguli or seguli. It is an incredibly unique word. Back in the ancient world, you could divide assets into two basic categories. One asset in the financial portfolio was property, real estate, and the buildings or the tents on that property or that real estate. That possession could not be moved. It was where it was, and it could not be relocated. However, the other category of their portfolio were the possessions like silver, gold, precious metals, stones. Those were movable possessions that could be taken by the Hebrews and relocated with them. So there was the real estate, the property, and the buildings on that property that were fixed. And then there were the other items that could be moved and relocated. That is the word segulai. It literally means a movable possession or a movable treasure. They were unique to God, but God had drawn them to himself for a purpose. He had called them to be a movable possession, a movable Treasure a unique possession that he was going to scatter and move among the nations for the purpose of advancing his kingdom. Get it? Got it good? Which takes us back to the principle in 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2. Two will make the connection between Exodus 19, 1 Peter chapter 2. You will notice that what God said about his covenant people in Exodus 19 is almost identical in many ways to what he says about those of us who have entered the new covenant through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Back to 1 Peter and what Peter had indicated in regard to the people. He said to them, We are a chosen race, just like the Hebrews. We were selected by God. There wasn't anything about us that made us so special or so unique that God said, I want to have those people. No, it was all about God doing the selecting. We are a royal priesthood. That is, we have a responsibility to intercede before God and to offer up sacrifices to God. We are a holy nation, a people sanctified, set apart, unique for God's purpose. And then here it is what, what I would try to focus in on. He says in First Peter chapter 2 verse 9, as we continue the sequence, listen to the phrase, "You'll make the connection to Exodus 19, "A people for God's own possession." Did you hear it? We, you, me, we are a people for God's own possession. That is, we today are God's movable treasure, God's movable possession that God will relocate when he will, where he will, as he will for the purpose of accomplishing his will. Why? Again, look at the passage. Continuing in verse 9 of 1 Peter chapter 2, why? So that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. God had said to the Hebrews through Moses, your responsibility as my covenant people is to make my name great among the nations. And here, he says to those of us who have entered that new covenant through the shed blood of Jesus Christ, your responsibility is to make my name great among the nations. What did he say right there? That you might proclaim. The Greek word literally is to display. Not what you say, but how you live. To display the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Are we willing to say, God, I am your movable possession. Move me where you want to move me, when you want to move me, so that I might, through my character and my conduct, make your name great among the nations. God, I want to be a portrait put on display that reflects who you are and how good you have been." It is time we, as the children of God, focus less on our privilege and more on our responsibility. The kingdom of God is not about us. The kingdom of God is all about the king, that we would make his name great. Like Israel of old, we are to make his name great among the nations. Continue in verse 10 of 1 Peter chapter 2. Here's the because. Why should we make his name great among the nations? Peter tells us, for you once were not a people, but now you are the people of God. You had not received mercy, but now you have received Mercy. Peter reminds us we were on the outside of the covenant, but God through Jesus Christ has grafted us into the covenant, not because of who we are, but because of who he is. Look back at verse 10 again. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Remember, mercy is God not giving me what I deserve. I deserve death and hell because I was on the outside of the kingdom due to my sin and my rebellion. But the grace of God, God giving me what I do not deserve, the grace of God, which brought me forgiveness, has made me part of the family. God has brought us out of the darkness. God has brought us out of sin. God has brought us out of shame. God has built the bridge through Jesus Christ to close that gap of separation and bring us into the glorious light of his incredible redeeming love. But notice Peter, like Moses in Exodus 19, reminds us all that... All of this that has been done for us has been done for a unique purpose. God has done all of this not for us, but God has done all of this for the purpose of making his name great among the nations. Look back at 1 Peter 2, verse 9 one more time. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, A people for God's own possession so that really, really in this session, zero in, hone in, hammer in on this one phrase and this one phrase alone. That you may proclaim the excellencies of him who brought you out of darkness and into his glorious light that you may signifying a purpose for what he has done. Proclaim, that is display, make evident among all those around you the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. It is not about us. It is all about him. We are called to make God's name great through our character and our conduct. So here's the critical question. Every child of God must ask, when people see me, do they see Jesus? Do our lives put his greatness on display? That is the mission of every one of us who are part of God's forever family. Our lives are not about us. Our lives are all about him. We are to be a masterpiece in our character and our conduct that when people look at us, they say, look at how great God is. When they look at you, do they see you? Or when they look at you, do they see God? What a challenge for each of us. I'll see you next session.
1: Once again, let me thank you for joining us on this journey through God's word. We know your time is precious. And so we consider it an incredible privilege that you've chosen to spend it with us. As I have shared before, we'd love to hear from you. Knowing how we have encouraged you encourages us. Recently, I had an individual say, I sit in front of my computer with my Bible, with my notebook, with my pen, ready to learn from God's Word. If you're watching uh, on YouTube, you can leave a comments note at the bottom. We'd love to see those. Or you can reach us. Our email address is wordpowermm at gmx.com. wordpowermm at gmx.com. If watching this ministry and learning from God's word has encouraged you, please tell others about us, whether they watch us on YouTube, find us on Instagram or on podcast. We'd love to know that we are being used by God to help people go deeper in their faith. God bless you. And again, thank you.